Welcome everyone to the Caribbean Science Fiction Network, a celebration of all things fantasy, folklore, speculative fiction, and of course, science fiction. Today I have with me from Cuba, Yasmin Portales Machado. And my point is around the role of scientific characters in science fiction stories in the Caribbean that uh, we may embrace science and make it own. We'll be talking about her latest short story, Las Externas Decisiones de Vladimir Denisovich Jimenez. The story progresses, trying to imagine a world where the Berlin Wall haven't fall, but moreover where the Soviet Union influence in Cuba was more deeper and challenging for the Cuban identity. Yasmin, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you and with the public of your podcast. This short story was, it was really interesting to see the different perspectives as a Cuban writer. So I'm really, um, I'm really excited to talk to you about that. First, um, give us some background to this story. What is it about for those who haven't read it? Um, and also the inspiration for this particular story. Uh, well, I mean, it started as a game. I have uh, three dear friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had been like living together. Uh, we lived together for a while in the boarding school and then we lived together uh, apart for many years. And we still share a very deep bond. And from time to time, we will joke about how our bond was so deep that uh, we will meet in any other version of history or the planet. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the main joke was that if the Berlin Wall didn't fall, we would all have met in Moscow because all our professional careers uh, were usually studied in the Soviet Union in the 80s. So that was the joke. And, and the, the story progresses from that joke, like trying to imagine a world where the Berlin Wall haven't fall, but moreover, where the Soviet Union influence in Cuba was were more deeper and challenging for the Cuban identity and for the dreams that we, as a specific uh, group of people, had in our lives. And I tried to make it uh, as positive as possible, considering what I knew about the Soviet Union society. I think I didn't, it's not very happy, <laughs> but I try my best. Given that you've already mentioned not just the Soviet Union, but also the Berlin Wall, um, I want to ask why did you feel it necessary um, to make politics so central to this story. And we're, of course, talking about this against the backdrop of a science fiction feel to it. So why politics? Uh, I, I identify myself as a Marxist and a feminist. And in both of mm-hmm. those ways of seeing the world, politics is inevitable. You cannot live in society mm-hmm. without having a political 
situation. Like one of the mantras of feminism is uh, the personalist yeah. politics, because everything we do mm -hmm. is conditioned by our ideology and the society we live in. And pretty much Marxism in any variation, uh, you know, authoritarian or uh, libertarian says the same thing. You cannot mm -hmm. pretend that you are uh, independent from the socioeconomic relations that surround you. So it's always at the end about what kind of society we live in, uh, what choices and opportunities we have within that society and what we do with our power and our agency. There's a lot that happens in this story, and one of the lines that caught my attention was, um, it said, cada elección lleva a un mundo, or every choice leads to a world. And, you know, we're looking at science fiction, and, and what does it mean to, to have alternate worlds or parallel worlds? I mean, there's a multiverse I want to ask you about later, but unpack for us what that meant, um, and what, do you, what were you getting at when you, when, when, you, when you say every choice leads to a world? particularly for the story? There's a general answer for that and a specific answer related to the story. The general answer will be that, especially in the realm of speculative fiction, the point is to imagine how the world can be or will be if some things had been different, if some choices had been different in different yeah. in, in several moments of history or maybe i don't know if it haven't rained before waterloo whatever uh, it rained before waterloo uh, something like that um so the point of the for yeah. me one of the main point of a speculative fiction and specifically science fiction is to answer yourself with uh, with hope and with radical courage what if something had tipped in another direction. Mm -hmm. Not in a very strict binary, but of course, in many, many ways. And specifically for this mm -hmm. story, the point of the story is some things I want to think are un unchangeable. And the bond that we for share, I want to imagine, is strong enough to re-emerge in any yeah. iteration of planet Earth. So it's kind of, yeah, every choice leads to a war, but I want to believe that in any war we will meet and we will fall in love with each other. So... It comes up a lot, and this is what I this is what I was mentioning earlier. This idea of the of, of the multiverse theory. <laughs> um, so, what, what what can we learn from this? How do you see uh, a multiverse theory playing out as an SF writer? Well, my uh, I must admit, kind of obsession with multiverse is related to uh, sex. I find theory. Uh, uh, string theory very sexy <laughs> which I don't know why but I honestly I, I, I get super excited yeah. uh, reading about string theory and 
the multiverse idea is deeply hopeful for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I truly believe that right now the world is a pretty depressing place where I almost lost hope <laughs> in, in the last two years, especially. But even before that, I, I had had very hard years in my life. Yeah. But the idea that in some other situations, one version of me was, you know, happy and maybe not successful, but just happy and free uh, gives me hope that, uh, but also the idea that in some other iterations of Planet Heart, I had even less uh, things and, and opportunities that in this life also give me fuel to keep fighting. Like you can't complain yeah. somewhere in the multiverse, Jasmine is really, really, really uh, in a really, really bad situation. So you you didn't have you didn't get the worst of the deal. So you have to keep fighting. Yeah. Uh, uh, and in general, I think that the multiverse theory allow us to uh, explore political and social and even so even scientific uh, possibilities. Yeah but keeping an anchor in our reality, therefore allowing us to, you know, have some logic, uh, some known reference frame that we can use to establish communication. Yeah, when I when I saw the multiverse, I, my mind immediately went on Marvel movies. Um, but I like how you explain the multiverse theory. <laughs> um, so in the story, we see a lot of we, we see a, a couple references representations of the queer Caribbean experience, um, and and I like this because we don't get to see it. We're we're seeing more of it uh, in in Caribbean literature. Uh, your story has a couple references to homosexuality and trans identities. And I wanted to know why was this important for you as a writer of science fiction and also even as a Cuban writer of science fiction? Well, it is important to me because I think that very deep, most of the people that write or generally for, for telling stories are trying to uh, project their own needs and mm -hmm. anxieties, right? So growing up, I experienced as a as a black female, poor Spanish speaking, and eventually uh, bisexual woman, uh, a deeply lack of representation in the stories that I saw growing up. Right, from time to time I will find strong women, but they were not, uh, you know, frequent. From time to time I will find black heroes, but they yeah. were not frequent. Uh, from time to time, I will find Caribbean or Spanish-speaking heroes, but uh, it, it takes me a long time to find queer heroes, and even less, even more time to find black Caribbean queer heroes. So I decided that uh, I wanted, if I wanted those stories told, uh, it was up to me because obviously, I mean, not. Not, that is not real, but that was the yeah. subjective perception at the time. Obviously, no one will go will do it for me, so I had to do it. If I wanted to be in the stories, I have to write myself yeah. in them. Uh, 
uh, and that's why I write to write myself and I have to write my friends and my community yeah. in those stories. Uh, and that is the point also, right? Mm -hmm. I think we mostly write yeah. about what we know. And what I know is that there's a bunch of queer people in the world. There, we were always being, we, yeah. we had always been here. It's just, just like women mm -hmm. were always here and, yeah. and black people were always here. It's just that uh, some generic, you know, white heterosexual dudes with power decided that our stories were not important to tell, to print and to teach in school books. So it's yeah. up to us to change that. No one is going to do that work for us. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the the aspects of scientific discovery that happens in this story. Um, um, one line, it's it, it's quite long, and I don't want to embarrass myself trying to speak Spanish. Um, I can't say it for you, and you say it in, in your beautiful English, because <laughs> I, I feel the same embarrassment when I, when I quote English, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, let, 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 let's do that then. A veces le parecía que ese astrofísico era el único que entendía a cabalidad lo que le sucedía. Translated into English, it seemed that the astrophysicist was the only one who fully understood what was happening to him. So, I want to ask you, how do you see astrophysics or science in general contributing to a Caribbean brand of science fiction? I think that the point is that people have knowledge and uh, those yeah. knowledge sometimes uh, specific and sometimes generic allow you to see different aspects of the world with uh, more yeah. confidence or with a deeper perception yeah. right so in this story specifically yeah. that deals with a, with with uh, a trans man that had been displaced uh, i mean it's a cis man that had been displaced to an universe where he is a trans man, uh, where he is a trans woman, the only a viable explanation is a physics explanation. This is a, a problem of multiverse and string theory and some displacement happened because we don't know. I, I didn't want to go into the speculation of the technology because I was not interested in the technology uh, at the moment, but, mm -hmm. What I wanted to point out was that uh, from a technological or theoretical point of view, that man, that astrophysic, was at least in the circle that surrounded uh, uh, Bania, the only already aware of that possibility. For, my, yeah. for the main character and for the friends, this is a total surprise. Like, what the hell is going on here? I, <laughs> right? I wake up in the morning and the world is like very, very different. Mm -hmm. But uh, physics, astrophysics, and and in general theoretical physics had been discussing this this idea for decades already. So my mm -hmm. point was, and my point is around the role of scientists 
monotheistic characters in science fiction stories in the Caribbean that uh, we may embrace science, even though mm -hmm. it's basically constructed from a positivist, uh, you know, Western, uh, very yeah. limited mainframe and make it, make it own. And when I, when I think science, I honestly not thinking only in, you know, conventional, again, Western conventional science, like biology, medicine, physics, I'm thinking in uh, avenues of knowledge, in the way in which yeah. uh, this wonderful crossroad space that is the Caribbean have the um, geographical and uh, historical and political circumstance of being a place where people from all corners of the world and all kind of knowledge and way to use that knowledge had meet and live and thrive. Uh, I, I have a, another story that is about uh, an Amazonian woman living in the U.S. and doing mm -hmm. illegal things. But the thing is that for her, they are not illegal because from her social perspective, what she's doing is helping the community. So even though the yeah. law may say that it's not correct, this is okay. My yeah. run of knowledge, my perception of the law and my duty to society say that this is what I have to do. Uh, and yeah. that is from a certain point uh, of view, the main meaning of the character of the astrophysics in the story. This is a man that live under the, well, like all characters, he live under the Soviet Union oppression. But mm -hmm. his scientific knowledge gives him uh, a critical perception of the singularity and therefore fallibility of that society. He knows that out there other worlds are possible. He's not surprised by it. I like how you're drawing these connections. Um, you mentioned the Amazon, the story about the Amazon uh, a woman, which I'm looking forward to. Um, in this in this story, we have there the, there are similar connections being made, and even though I was reading it, I couldn't really I don't really know much about the Soviet Union, but I could still follow along with the story. Caribbean connections to Russia might not be as easily understood, uh, so I want you to give your perspective on this and and how much of that. What was the influences that uh, that allowed you to create this story about Caribbean connections to Russia and and talked about so about why it remains relevant? Well, it is important because uh, I mean, the Caribbean is a post-colonial region, right? So we have the mm -hmm. this strange fate that uh, we were the first point of entry for the uh, European invasion to to the Americas, right? But also because we were this initial battleground of geopolitical co control of new territories, we end up separated by colonial powers and eventually by language, right? So in the Caribbean, we speak English and French and Spanish. But even after the Spanish-speaking Caribbean and French-speaking Caribbean achieved independence, part of it, of the French speaking Caribbean. And uh, we were kind of making our way toward 
integration, I think. Uh, the mm -hmm. 1959 Cuban Revolution separated Cuban political history from the rest of the Caribbean and the Americas, right? We started yeah. uh, a political path that I, I want to think was overall positive in social terms, even so in, you know, by the end of the 20th century had degenerated in something very awful. But uh, yeah. the point is that uh, first the 1959 Cuban revolution and especially the 1961 missile crisis that put the world in the tipping point of a nuclear war uh, pro produced uh, a, a geopolitical alliance of Cuba with the Soviet Union. And in the context of the Cold War, that means that we grow more and more apart from the cultural dialogue that were happening within the Caribbean and within Latin America. And growing up in the 80s in Cuba, my main influences in literary terms were not coming from Latin America or even United States, were coming from uh, Eastern Europe with a lot of translations from yeah. folk tales and science fiction and realistic and historical fiction uh, created in the Eastern Europe with that cultural background. And I, as most of science fiction writers in Cuba yeah. nowadays, was introduced, and introduced to the genre through that specific branch of science fiction. And we imagine the world as a space where the Soviet Union and now the Russian power have a tremendous political and social influence, right? That make us uh, very different, but I think that at the same time yeah. uh, produces a deep coincidence, especially with the English-speaking Caribbean that is still this still lives in colonial situation, because for many things we live in the yeah. second part of the 20th century to in a semi-colonial relation with the Soviet Union, like receiving instructions, like decided going to study there, like uh, trying to learn Russian to, you know, be able to participate in the main things in the country and etc. But that is that is the reason why I imagine uh, an alternative yeah. planet where the 1961 missile crisis and that in a very different way with the cancellation, with uh, Cuba being absorbed by the Soviet Union and therefore becoming again a colonial country in the Caribbean. So Yasmin, we're at the end of the chat, but I want to give you the chance to address our listeners anything you want to leave us with about this story or about your own perspective, your general perspective as a, as a science fiction writer or even as a Cuban. Well, what can we learn? What can we take away? I think for me, it was very surprising that you asked me to speak and I'm deeply uh, grateful for it. Um, I think that language barriers yeah. had prevented us in many occasions of realizing how similar our experiences and anxieties are, especially in the field of speculative fiction. Like, as a region, we share, you know, the post-colonial experience, but also the climate change mm, problems 
that affect very deeply our, our territories yeah. and therefore our consciences and society. So if I want your public to mm -hmm. know anything about us will be that we care the anxieties and the problems. And I think that it, <laughs> when you find uh, Cuban science fiction uh, translations, you will find that they are strictly similar to the rest of the region in that regard. I'm, I'm always surprised yeah. when I read uh, Jamaican or, or mm -hmm. um, other English writing authors from the region about how how I can relate to the characters and the situation. So I, I, I'm very confident that the opposite may happen. So Yasmin, I want to thank you so much again for doing this and to everyone listening, thank you as well. Continue to stay tuned to the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. Bye.